Chapter Four of From Different Standpoints by Pansy and Fay Huntington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, New York, February eighteen. Dear Perry, what do you suppose Aunt Ruth said to me this evening? I will give you a scene from our conversation. She sat at the round table, making up her account of the day's expenses. I sat biting the end of my wooden penholder. It was not that I couldn't think what to say first to you, but something in the book I had been reading came fresh to my mind just then, and I stopped to think about it. "'What are you doing?' Aunt Ruth asked, suddenly, stopping in the midst of her column. "'Writing,' I said, dipping my pen in ink and dating your letter. "'Who to?' You know Aunt Ruth isn't remarkably well posted as regards the arrangement of sentences." to perry what do you and him write to each other for did you ever happen to be asked that question if you have been i wonder what you said i'm sure i didn't know what to say i waited a little but her keen gray eyes were looking right at me so i said why for fun i suppose what does anyone write letters to anybody for humph she said you both pretend to be a world too busy to waste hours of time and quires of paper just for fun. If you either of you had any earthly object, it would be different. After Aunt Ruth went back to her adding, which, by the way, she does half audibly, so that I can distinctly catch the last half of every figure as it escapes her lips, I fell to thinking over her question. What do we write letters for? Do you suppose these long epistles can ever be utilized in any way, either for your good or mine, or even for our harm, if they can't be made to produce good fruit? Dear me, I believe I would rather do mischief than do just nothing. Of course, now I enjoy your letters, and all that sort of thing, and I know you do mine. What a mercy it is that we don't have to waste time in being proper to each other." well never mind we'll find out in the millennium probably why we enjoyed writing about every earthly thing to each other we have had a rich experience to-day i may as well tell you that it was this over which i was biting my penholder to tell or not to tell that is the question i decided to tell i don't believe it will trouble you in fact i don't think it will surprise you and it was so funny to commence your friend Eleanor is in town, dined with us today. That is, she came to our dinner table as the guest of Laura Myers. Isn't that a strange friendship? I wasn't introduced. The comical side of that struck me, too. If Perry were here, I said to myself, I wonder just how he would manage that. After dinner, we were in the parlor. Laura was discoursing with her usual sense. We have a very mixed table i heard her say not half so pleasant as it used to be in fact we are becoming decidedly democratic your eleanor's beautiful lip curled and by the way you ought to tell her that the habit is very unbecoming to her style of face i detest the word democratic she said scornfully so do i piped laura but i think you would detest it more if you lived here the house is even becoming the resort of day-laborers. Indeed. Yes. Did you ever know a man by the name of Romaine? 
not that i have any recollection of well he is a character you ought to be here one day and see the air that he affects he is a mechanic of some sort goes to work at seven o'clock and isn't released until six but you would think he was king over us all he really is rather fine-looking but he does such funny things don't you think he has prayers in this very room every evening insufferable said miss eleanor plebeianism of any kind is hard to endure but when it comes to you with a religious whine it is just unbearable there he is was miss laura's next announcement now eleanor isn't he fine-looking we all looked in mr romaine's direction and i really wish you could have seen what a contrast he presented to the foppish fellows about him i suppose i shall have to introduce you laura said with a sigh they all do here miss eleanor was queenly thank you she said i have no desire to extend the circle of my acquaintance you may spare yourself that trouble i'm sure you must be wondering where i was all this time that i seem to have the benefit of the conversation and yet be ignored that is it precisely i was ignored i stood just at their back looking over a list of paintings a catalogue you know and waiting for the mail to be brought in before i went upstairs on ordinary occasions laura is friendly enough with me but the presence of such an aristocrat as miss haddington was too much for her she did not even glance in my direction presently i moved a little to one side but it seemed that i was still within range of their tongues who is that pale-faced girl with an unbecoming dress and a round collar she stands at your left i have to inform you o oh most trusting perry that the hero of the unbecoming dress was your friend eunice the dress is unbecoming i haven't a doubt i have had it three winters and am likely to have it three more and round collars are out of fashion that said laura is a niece of our landlady she is a good sort of a girl goes to school and works for her board or something of that kind it is just some more of our democracy you see i see you having heard the lady speak several times in the course of your life doubtless know just how she said that i see at that particular moment who should appear in our midst but tom haddington i hadn't seen him in six months didn't know he was in town you know what a fresh genial air he used to have well he hasn't changed in the least he went the rounds of the room, aided by Laura Myers, who had rushed forward to greet him, meeting old friends and being introduced to new ones, when suddenly he dropped Laura's hand, and his clear, ringing voice sounded through the room. "'Romaine, as true as I am here,' he said, and he held his hand out eagerly. "'Why, man, where did you come from? I as soon expected to see the President,' and i would give more to see your little finger at any time than his whole body much as i admire him all this time they were shaking hands in the most eager way and laura for once in her life losing sight of effect stood looking in an open-eyed amazement why romaine tom commenced again have you seen my sister no she is here where is she miss laura oh there she is and you haven't met her 
that is an oversight come right over here and let me introduce you eleanor this is the best friend i ever had or ever expect to have mr romaine of philadelphia it must have been a transfer from the torrid zone to the frigid zone in the region of mr romaine's heart to turn from tom haddington's greeting to receive his sister's bow i don't care if she is your friend perry i was provoked with her she might have been more courteous to her brother than to ignore his friend in the way she did i wonder what tom would have said if he hadn't suddenly been thrown into another surprise he spied me and rushed towards me both hands extended why eunice said he little una i thought you had gone home how splendid it is to see you all here have you met my sister then immediately before i could answer his question he asked another you know tom always used to ask at least two questions at once oh eunice he said seeing you makes me think of perry have you heard from him lately i stood near your lady and i felt wicked so i answered promptly i had a letter last evening he is improving though he seems to think rather slowly he is impatient as usual at that point i had the satisfaction of a full view of miss eleanor's face and she gave me a prolonged and astonished stare she had evidently heard of me before i made another discovery which is that miss haddington doesn't care to be absolutely rude to a friend of perry harrison so my friend thank you for condescending to be known as my friend it earned me a gracious reception even though i did wear an unbecoming dress now why have i told you this long story i hardly know myself except because of the foolish habit of telling you all that happens in this house i wish i were one of the good young ladies that one reads about in books then i should have locked this story into the secret chamber of my own great heart and borne my share of wrong in noble silence isn't that the way they do it this isn't answering your letter is it well there are two points in it that amused me one was the idea of your being conscientious i never suspected it how does it make you feel the other the idea of your going to hear that country preacher truly perry i thought you had more respect for your mother and your early education than to actually make light of preaching of any sort it would have served you right to have caught another horrid cold but i don't suppose you did wicked people never get their deserts in this wicked world however since you will do wrong give me the benefit of your experience what do you suppose i've done next gone into the sunday school and taken a class of little savages under my care what on earth will i teach them there are five of them boys with bare feet or nearly so even in this weather and such hands i don't think the idea of washing them can have entered their minds in a century i presume you think they are not a century old but in that you are mistaken i'm sure they must have been created when the world was they know all the evil in it and there is so much that it must have taken some time to learn of course mr romaine is the individual who had to do with my being so foolish he was in great perplexity as to what he should do with them aunt ruth came to his help why here is eunice why don't you get her into it 
She taught day school in Nassau, and managed first-rate, my brother said. I laughed, of course. Why, Aunt Ruth, I said, I don't know what has become of your usual good sense, the idea of my being a Sabbath school teacher. Why not, child? It is a pity if you can't teach them to say their Bible verses. It can't be harder than staying in a little old schoolhouse with them all day, and you lived through that. But, Aunt Ruth, I said, you know I had the amusement of whipping them to sustain my spirits, and I'm afraid that wouldn't look well in Sunday school. Meantime, Mr. Romaine had evidently been considering. I'm not sure that he had heard a word that either of us had said after Aunt Ruth's first sentence. He spoke at last in a sort of doubtful tone. If you could manage them for me for one or two Sundays, until I could look around me, and— Do better, I said, finishing the sentence as he seemed to hesitate. And the truth is, Perry, I was piqued into taking it, because he evidently thought I couldn't do anything with them. I wish I had time to tell you what a funny time I had with them last Sunday. That was my first attempt. I should have resigned all future care of them the minute I reached home, only Charlie Thorpe spoiled that by advising me to. I am resolved not to act on any idea that emanates from his brain. This letter is to go by the next mail, and that closes in ten minutes. In my next I'll try to answer some of your remarks. In haste, Eunice. End of chapter 4